My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. I just want to talk to you a little bit about Christmas. Um, is Christmas really Christmas? <clears throat> many of you remember uh, Christmases of the past when you were little. Remember um, all the uh, wonderful things about Christmas. You could go uh, downtown and you would see um, you would see the nativity set set up in by city hall or somewhere, and and um, people would be rejoicing during the season. But a lot of things have changed, and uh, I remember some years ago when we lived in Seattle. The school district ruled that it was okay to celebrate Halloween. A lot of the parents, uh, Christian parents, rejected that and complained about it and said, you know, um, we don't want you to expose our children to the occult. And so uh, they decided they would go ahead anyhow and they would excuse the kids who didn't want to participate. They would excuse them from those activities And the amazing thing is that the ACLU didn't even whimper about the fact that they were infringing on the rights of these Christian kids. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving in my car and I heard on the radio, and I honestly can't tell you where this happened, but they said that In one of the schools, kids were encouraged to participate in some Muslim exercise, and for partaking and participating in it, they would not have to do an essay. And I think you know kids well enough to know that if they could get out of writing an essay, they would take advantage of that. And so this was kind of the hook to have them come in And in America, I'm talking in the United States of America, to participate in and learn more about the Muslim religion. 
a country that was built on the promise that in God we trust, has come to the point where Christ is totally and absolutely removed from the holiday that celebrates his birthday. Paul Harvey was in a shopping mall some years ago, and uh, they had uh, a nativity scene. That's when they could still have them. And he said there was a couple of ladies standing there looking at it, and one lady said in disgust and anger, look at that, now they're even trying to bring religion into Christmas. No idea what Christmas was all about. Well, let me, uh, let me read to you what it's about. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. Say good news. And great joy. Amen. Great joy. And this shall be to all people, for today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news had to do with what the angels had to say, and the great joy had to do with what the shepherds were about to see as they went to Bethlehem. When would it happen? He said, today. Where in the city of David in Bethlehem, what would they see? There is a Savior who has been born, and who is he? He is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. The one that you've been waiting for, the one that you have been asking for, he has finally come. And the two most important words in verse number 11 are two little words for you. The Messiah has come for you. How many understand that Jesus has come for you? There is hope for you in Jesus Christ. I, I asked the question, is it working in 2003? Has man really found this peace that the angels talked about? Have, have you found this peace? Christmas today is not really Christmas. It is not Christ's day. It is a stress day. It is a, it is a, a day when we visit our family. It is a day when we do shopping. It's all kinds of things. I sent um, a camera crew at the University of Montana, and I told them to get some of the students there and ask the question, what does Christmas mean to you? I thought it'd be interesting to see it. I want you to see what, what they had to say. And then at the close, we're, we're going to play a, a, a a TV spot that we're airing right now. You've seen it probably, many of you. But uh, it has to do with stress. So uh, watch this and, and... Uh, I think for me, 
Um, I would say the, the biggest significance is the chance to go out and meet and visit with family. Alright, um, my Christmas holiday traditionally is celebrated at the end of December was, uh, you know, it was supposed to be a celebration of the solstice um, around December 22nd, but then it's kind of adopted by, you know, Christians as uh, their own holiday to sort of assimilate different cultures into their own. And uh, I still kind of celebrate it as the solstice rather than as Christmas celebration of uh, anybody's birthday. So that's kind of what I think of it. Um, I would have to say two things, actually. First of all, spending time with family and friends and really letting them know um, how much I love and care about them. And then two, my faith. And because to me this is when we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to earth. And so that for me is super significant about it. And even though we should be celebrating both of those things all year long, it's just more of an emphasis on it at this time. So, What is significant about the holiday Christmas? Well, um, I think probably spending time with my family. Um, being able to take time off and really celebrate know, just existing and not working or being school or whatever, and um, I think uh, service, you know, uh, taking time to, you know, do something for somebody else who may not have something, um, and I think uh, respecting, um, respecting other, other people's experiences of what the holidays might be, you know, if somebody is celebrating, you know, Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Solstice or whatever, that, you know, I'm going to respect their spirituality and they're going to respect mine and that, you know, uh, just being with family and friends, basically. Having a good time. Uh, I have to say, if you're going home, spending time with my family. It's uh, college for the whole year. It's just some time to go home. Fill your Christmas with Jesus. A Christmas greeting from Christian Life Center. Amen. <clears throat> what happened to the good news and great joy? What happened to the peace on earth and goodwill toward men? We've lost the basic meaning of Christmas. Our society is saying, get Christ out of Christmas. Even though traditionally it is a day set apart to celebrate his birthday, I received uh, some emails from uh, somebody, and, and there was a whole bunch of stuff in it, but let me just give you a couple of things. The World Net Daily reported a public interest law firm, Thomas More Law Center, filed suit in federal court alleging that a holiday displays a policy of the New York City public schools is discriminating against Christians. It said the district policy unlawfully discriminates against Christians because it prohibits the display of the Christian nativity scenes in public schools 
during Christmas while it expressly permits and encourages the display of the Jewish menorah and the Islamic star and crescent during their religious holidays. I want you to notice it says that it expressly permits and encourages for these other religions to to show their uh, emblems, but Christians cannot do that. In fact, in one of the schools in New York, they had a Christmas tree, and they were told to even take the Christmas tree out of the school because it reminded them of Christmas. The first grade teacher in Sacramento, California, was ordered by her principal not to ever utter the word Christmas in her school. Now, we're not talking about some Islamic country. We're not talking about some place around the world. We are talking about what's going on in America. And I appreciate what Ryan had to say, that, uh, you know, they can present the gospel to schools in many, many countries of the world. But here it is shut down, but it will happen, I believe, uh, because the question has to be answered, what will you do with this child? Later, Pilate asked the same question when he said, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? There are several responses. I want to quickly give you three of them. Number one is Herod's response. He said, let him be destroyed. Let him die while he's still in the cradle. Let's get rid of him now so that he doesn't cause a problem for us later because we have no king but Caesar. And the answer continued, and it, it swelled into a violent crowd who cried out, away with him, crucify him, he is not our king, we will have no other king but Caesar. Now we know that hostility of that crowd is still the hostility of our society today. When they say, get him out of our society, get him out of our lives, get him out of Christmas. We don't have time for him. Don't even mention his name during this Christmas season. Why? Because his presence is too restrictive. We don't want to hear about him because he will demand us to do things that we're not ready to do. You know, a few years ago, I remember preaching a message and I, I talked about the fact that Christmas is now Christ versus Santa Claus. But it's even gone farther than that now. You can't even have Santa Claus representing Christmas in our society because it reminds them of what we used to believe. Christmas trees are no longer, we're not able to do that. But how many know that the world shall never defeat him? They've tried and they will never be successful in defeating Jesus Christ. Amen. They crucified him and they sealed him in a tomb and they said, there, finally, we've gotten rid of him. But thank the Lord that he rose up from the grave. He arose with a mighty triumph for his foes and he is still victorious today. Praise the Lord. I want you to listen to Paul's account in Philippians chapter 2. 
verses 9 to 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every knee. I want to tell you something this morning, my friends. Saddam Hussein is going to bow before Jesus one day. Osama bin Laden is going to bow before Jesus one day. All of the hatred that is espoused against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, one day the ACLU is going to bow before Jesus Christ. You can count on that. Because the Word of God says it. They try to destroy him. They try to destroy his followers. Paul, they beat him and they beheaded him. But he said, you can destroy the body, but you can't destroy the soul. He further said, sudden death is sudden glory. How many know that the moment Paul's head was taken from him, he was in the presence of God? Hallelujah. Peter, they crucified him upside down. But he had something that they could not destroy because Jesus Christ was alive in Peter. John on the Isle of Patmos, they said, let's, let's send him to the Isle of Patmos. That's a terrible place, and pretty soon he'll just give up on God. But what did, what did P, or John say? He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah, on the Isle of Patmos. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how dark it gets out there, and we need to stand up for what we believe, but it doesn't matter how dark it gets out there. Jesus Christ said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. He is here with us even in the service this morning. You know, it's a great verse in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. They martyred the saints... But yet when John had this vision of Jesus and he wrote the book of Revelation, he said, the kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign for how long? Forever and forever. The kingdoms of this world, the United States of America, is one day, if not before Christ comes back, then after it is going to become the kingdom of our God, and they're going to bow before Jesus once again. That's what the Bible says. He is alive, and the victory is his. Herod couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't stop him. The ACLU can't stop him. The gates of hell cannot prevail against him. In fact, he shall reign forever. Listen, he has sounded forth a trumpet that shall never call retreat. He's never going to go backwards. I said he's never going to go backwards. He will never retreat. And praise God, we've read the last chapter. How many know we're still on the winning side, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes? Well, the second answer is preoccupation. Noncommittal. There's a lot of that. The innkeeper was like that. He said, you know, I have no real opposition to him, but I just don't have room for him. I wish that I could 
give them a place in my house, but there's, there's just a room. We have too many other things. One of the favorite sayings of people today is, I just have too many things on my plate. Well, maybe it's time to get some of them off the plate and put Jesus back where he belongs. Amen? Because we can get so involved in everything else, social issues and, and, and how to end the war and, and, and keep my business going, how to pay my bills. These are all important things. But how relevant is Jesus in our complex society? Well, we just don't have room for him. I, I don't mind him. I just am too busy with other things. The third response is commitment. Totally committing yourself to Jesus Christ. When, when Simeon took the child Jesus in his arms, he said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He took him to heart. He embraced Jesus and took him into his heart or to heart. And I'm sure that we will give him a place of honor in our lives, but we don't want to see him face to face and stand up and say, you know, I don't care what anybody does. I'm going to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to serve him with all my heart. Downright commitment, total surrender. You know, the seed falls on, on soil, different types of soil. And sometimes it falls on rocky ground. And some of you may have experienced that first flush, that first excitement of accepting Christ into your life. And then as, as the cares of life began to wear on you, you sort of drifted away. Some of you may be in this service because it's Christmas Sunday morning. And you say, I, I just came out of obligation. I'll be happy when it's over and I can go home. I'm glad you're only preaching a short, short sermon. But let me tell you something. Jesus has a gift to offer you. A gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a gift that God offers to you this morning. Don't let the flame that began to flicker and begin to go out in your life, don't let it die, but come to Jesus and say, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me again with the glory of your presence so that I can walk with Jesus and know the power of his resurrection. You once knew what that was, some of you. The message of the first Christmas is still the message of Christmas 2003. I bring you good news of great joy. Listen, Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Do you know what swaddling cloths are? Those are the cloths that they would wrap dead bodies in. Mary somehow got a hold of some of these and wrapped her baby in swaddling cloths. 
32 years later, or, or thereabouts, Jesus once again was wrapped in the same cloths as he was buried. But aren't you glad to know that Jesus didn't stay there, but he rose again, and that's what Easter is all about. That's why we celebrate Easter. It is a resurrection. It is when Jesus came back to life, and he is alive today, and he makes himself available to every one of us in this room, no matter who you are. If you're not ready to die, you're not ready to celebrate Christmas because Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And he said, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Have you joined the world? I really don't have time for him. Or have you joined and say, you know, I'm just so busy, I've got too much stuff going on? Or have you thought about what this season is really all about? As Christians, I think we need to hold high the standard of Jesus Christ. We need to let the world know that we believe in who Jesus is. I'm glad that we were able this, this year that uh, we had... Uh, a beautiful manger scene built and placed in front of our church. Because I want the world to know, amen. And I want the world to know that Christian Life Center stands firmly on the conviction that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want that to be your life. I want that to be part of your life today. If you, if you have wandered away from God, I, I encourage you to come back to him this morning. Commit your way to him. In Jesus' name, let's pray. never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. 